Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Live Die Podcast. We are all the way up to number 74. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and somewhere out there is Neil. Say hi, Neil. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 74. Very special episode. Every episode special, Neil. I'm all, I'm still sipping on uh, I'm still sipping on a nice uh, tall boy from our friends over at Illuminated Brew Works. Indeed, I so am I actually. I just opened a Junior Astronaut Juice. That's it. I'm drinking a Brony. It is definitely one of the most uh, obnoxious cans I've ever seen, but a tasty double IPA. Excellent stuff. So, so as usual, you can get a hold of us at Punk Till I Die Podcast on Facebook or Punk Till I Die seventy seven at Gmail. We are actually joined by a Midwesterner, a fellow Midwesterner today, um, a guy that I've seen play a couple of times, but ironically, I've never seen him play like in his own bands, honestly. So I've, I saw him play <laughs> guitar with the Nobodies in Grand Rapids, and I saw him play guitar with, oh, why can't I think of the band from Cincinnati? Josh, who's the band from Cincinnati? One of your, old, one of your oldest? Uh, the Dopamines. Dopamines, yes. And I saw him play with the Dopamines in Grand Rapids. Um we have Josh Goldman, who's probably best known these days as the proprietor of Rad Girlfriend Records. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Of you bet, man. My yeah. my intro was so bad that I forgot what other band I had seen you in. My my intros always suck. It's it's an area I need to work on. Uh, I played there with uh, Iron Sheik. Oh, I think at so I, I did. I missed that. Was that what was that place called Murphy's or? Are you talking about Mulligans? Mulligans. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, you yeah. definitely played with the Dopamines at Mulligans. And you played with some pals of mine, I think, called the Hex Bombs the from Hex Kalamazoo. Because yes. I think I think one of the guys was from Cincinnati originally or something. It doesn't matter. But yeah, well, when I, I remember that show because that it was like this old guy and he fucking tried to I had just bought a new guitar and he just and he tried to like dump a fucking beer on it and I was like, yeah, Dude. that sounds like that sounds like Mulligans. Tom, was yeah. that you? Was that you doing that? Oh. You were the old guy, probably. <laughs> you asshole. But I, but I remember I saw you guys. The, so I'm a huge Nobody's fan, um, and I I saw the Nobody's do this weird like one off show when you guys were playing with B- Battalion of Saints that big tour, mm-hmm. and you came to GR for a one off show and it was so much fun and it was sparsely attended. But I remember I had had a few drinks and I came up to you after the show, and I said to you. Do you only put out records for bands that you want to play second guitar in? So that's actually, <laughs> that's actually my first question for you. Is that, that now that I got you on the hot seat? Do you put out records for bands so that you can play second guitar for them? Uh, no, but it certainly helps. <laughs> I, <laughs> it it just seems to be like a, a nice like uh, segue into you know being a, like it, they'll be like okay, well we put out this record, but we haven't put out a record in 15 years and we can't cause no one will play guitar. So, you know, in, 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 I walk and, and it, uh, that's it. <laughs> Even the dawning part seems like, like how do you learn so many songs? Like, I mean, do you still remember nobody's songs? Do you still remember, uh, Iron Sheik songs or do you, are you able to sort of just like learn them and then forget them again? No. Like if you asked me to play one right now, I wouldn't be able to, but like, I don't know. You just what, what I, my method is. I just listen to the tunes that I'm supposed to play, and what's frustrating about it is oftentimes there's way more than sure. You, they'll tell you that you need to learn 50 songs or something. And they're gonna and play you the learn same them all. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Um, 
that was like that with the queers. I had to learn like 60 songs or something. And then it's the same 25 every night, you know, but then occasionally like they'll throw an oddball at you and, and it throws you off your game a little bit. Um, but I just listen to them over and over and over. It's all I listen to, man. I will fall asleep in my bed listening to them, playing them. Just <laughs> and once once you listen to them enough, it just kind of clicks, you know. Well, uh, and all, that's and all that on top of you writing songs for your own bands and playing in your own, you know. Yeah. So, how do you have time so, to do all that stuff? Yeah. And okay. Before I get too far ahead, when did what era did you play with the Queers? I guess I didn't even realize that you played with the Queers. Uh, I was just a fill-in bass player from like 2013. To, I think the last time I played with them was like 2018. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I I filled in for a lot of bands for a few years. So you, you before the pandemic, I mean, were you? I mean, you you must be a full-time musician, then. I can't imagine you could work well between the label and um, playing in these bands. I mean, you you don't you must not have a day job at this point. I'm assuming. Well, at least pre oh. pre. Pre-COVID, no. Of course I do. I, I work forty hours at uh, forty hours a week at Blind Bob's and uh, oh the bar district. Yeah. Okay, so they're cool about you touring though. That's yeah, cool. they've always been super uh, supportive. My boss and um, yeah, they they they've never get. You know what I was thinking about is so I, I've actually been laid off for since March fifteenth, which is weird because it's the first time and since I was fourteen that I didn't. I haven't gone to work. I mean, I, I wasn't working full time at 14, but I still had a job, you know, and like, sure. mm-hmm. um, so it's been really strange being at home, but my boss has always been supportive of, uh, like touring. And, um, I was gone so much, you know, when my kid was like little that, uh, when I went on unemployment, he was, my boss was just like, dude, you know, if you can, if you can get by on it, you know, go take the unemployment until, until it runs out, you know? So he's, he's been, it's been nice, you know, catching up with, I, I feel like, uh, what are they making up for lost time? You know, uh, that time I was gone when the kid was a baby, but is, um, is, yeah, is, man, the, is, is the bar still closed or is it open again now? Now nah, it's, it's open, but the hours are, you know, really reduced and oh, gotcha, the yeah. staff is, is reduced. There's just, he, he told me that like I couldn't even if we wanted to come back right now, you know, my hours wouldn't be the same. So it's I'm not you know it's not, I'm not even sure it's worth it to to go back right now. And especially it's I, the, all this COVID stuff is still pretty bad, man. And and, and in Ohio and Montgomery County where I'm at, it's still at like a level three emergency. Like people are not they're not really doing what they should be doing. And I just don't feel comfortable going back to work yet anyways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife works at a hospital and she's there at least, you know, 12 hours a day. And, you know, I've had to take many tests and so is she, it's just not, you know, to expose our kids extra to that gotcha. is not yeah, that makes sense. worth it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not even considering, so blind Bob's is, is they have punk shows there. And so they're are they doing live music or is that not even on the they're radio? They're doing like they're doing singer songwriters. You know, they're just doing one one dude. They don't they're not having bands right now. I I I don't understand why. Like you know, it's sorry I'm I'm getting tripped up, but it's like I don't understand why they're even having any one play at all. It's kind of frustrating because <laughs> you know these guys are just playing they're just 
fucking around town, you know, and that's that's fine. Like I support anybody playing music, but sure. you know, man, I I spend a I, a lot of time touring and you know booking shows and playing shows, and the longer that this shit goes on, it's like, you know, the longer that I'm away from doing what I really love doing. And, uh, you know, I remember like three weeks in, into it, everyone was like, oh, I can't get a haircut. I can't do all this or that. <laughs> and it's like, well, guess what, motherfucker? Like now I can't go to Europe and do, you know, and play yeah. shows like that, you know, things that are like important. And yeah. um, so it's, it's, it's getting frustrating. But, you know, I don't want to, you know, the, the, the businesses, the bars, the, everyone's having a tough time. So it's it's like picking your battles, I feel, and trying to you know, figure out how to stay afloat can't be easy for anybody. So, yeah, you know, well, I don't blame them. I just wish they weren't doing it. Well, and one, you, you know, it was, but I kind of want to backtrack, but I was going to say you're one of the few labels, honestly, that seems to just be going ahead with most of your releases this year. Cause it seems like a lot of the labels are either just sitting on stuff or don't dare to, put much out this year are you has it has has it affected your release schedule or are you just saying screw it and you're full speed ahead because i know you got stuff coming out this week next week you know you're, you're yeah you've had a pretty busy year has it affected your release schedule as far as the label goes or not too much so, so actually not the pandemic um like covid has not affected it but it, it it was a factor in some decisions but the first thing like first of all the uh there was a uh, there was a fire that burned down this uh, factory in Florida that provided um, lackers to get LP, you know, to get records made. At oh, the record. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah. early in the year, right? Yeah. Apollo, yeah, it yeah. was in February, and um, so that made getting vinyl made a little more difficult um, in terms of just like scarcity of of materials. So one of the guys that I work closely with to get, you know, actually like manufacture the records and get them cut and, and made was basically like, I get lacquers from that place. And the, the only other place in the world is in Japan. And so while they were working on a solution of how are we going to figure this out? I was given the option to basically reserve, um, the existing lacquers for the year. Mm. <laughs> so this is, this is in February, right? And usually I'm, I'm, I'm not so planned out. And, uh, I was just making shit up, man. You know, I was, I was literally just, <laughs> you know, making up releases to reserve. So I had enough cause I don't want to stop putting out records and, you know, there's some ways around it. Like it, you, th there's some other plants that you could work with that don't use the lacquers, but I have a very particular system and, and a method of how I get things done that works for me. And I'm very comfortable doing that. So I was just totally making shit up, man. I mean, any release that I thought that I could put out, anything that I knew was going to put out, I was assigning it to different months. And um, so one of the reasons that you're seeing a lot of constant rad girlfriend releases this year, like more it's, and it's definitely more than usual. Um, Is it more than you? Okay. Well, I, I, when you break it down, not really right. Like at the beginning, at the beginning I was doing a lot of split label releases, which are, so you can do a ton of those because it doesn't cost as much. 
Sure. But it still counts as a release. So you're, you know, I, I would, I would be averaging like between 10 and 13 records a year. And I think I'm just closer to the, you know, higher end of that. This I thought, year. Yeah. According, um, according to Discogs right now, just counted them up. You got 14 releases this year so far. <laughs> is that right yeah he can't even keep track well it, it's <laughs> oh yeah i don't it's I funny don't. you know a couple weeks ago a few weeks ago we had uh jay prozac on who i i think you know right you've you have you done it yeah, of the prozacs i i know jay okay well and it's funny because so he and i are friends on facebook we never met in real life but i see him on there all the time pitching his band and reminding people about his band and like literally taking this weird time to go through like an oral history of the band and i'm like man this guy's out there hustling so i gave him a call i said dude you should come on and talk to us and you know we had him on had a great time and th- it was kind of the same with you because i saw some kind of a facebook post or something and it was like hey man you know we really would like this thing to be a little bigger so we could help our friends make some money and or so i don't remember what it was but it was basically like a, you know share this you know, help your friends like this post or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? This dude's out there hustling. And I, and we love a lot of the records on your label. I mean, I don't pretend to know everything you put out by any stretch of imagination, but man, we sure. love a lot of stuff on your label. I'm like, dude, I wish we needed to reach out to this guy. He's hustling. He's out there doing whatever he can to, you know, keep himself in public consciousness. So here you are. No, well, it's a, it's a delicate, it's a, it's a weird balance, man. You know, cause running the, the label and working on, the Raging Nathan stuff full time, and then being like yep. a full time member of the Dopamines, where you know trying to trying to get them to write more material. So I had when it when it came to that Facebook thing, I was like, I I don't know, man. I I don't I really don't like at, like I don't I'm not a uh, what like like a GoFundMe guy. I'm not like one, yeah. I'm not really I'm not into asking people for help. So yeah. I knew that I had like. I get like one of these posts, you know, and I, all I did is I just was like, Hey, we put out a lot of records. I think we, we were just like stuck at like 4,000 likes or 5,000 likes on Facebook or something. And so I just said, Hey, you know, can you, can you like our band or like our, sure. uh, our Facebook page? And it worked. They got like 2000 likes, you know, but what am I going to do? I can't like, you can't do that at every, every, every month or every year you know it's, it's yeah. just corny after a while Plus, so i knew that we've been around for long enough i could probably get away with it but I, you know i had to make a decision like do i do that with the label or just should i try it with the raging nathans or like i didn't want to seem thirsty but like <laughs> no you, you know. gotta do listen you gotta do what you gotta do in these times and like i said people notice that stuff um a lot of the, my favorite bands i just have just disappeared during this yeah. during this time you know and and it's good it's just good to keep yourself in the public's consciousness. So anyway, well, it's a, you, you bring up a really important part, uh, a f- fact, which like that I've noticed is, so we re- we recorded our last LP in January, right before the pandemic hit. And it didn't get released until July. Like that's when the vinyl actually came out. Okay. And I remember being being like having all these plans for it and stuff but then when the everything shut down we we're like well what are we gonna do you know we we should we sit on it should we should we wait should we just release it anyways and the conclusion that i came up with is i mean i'm just looking around at everybody and and everything and at the beginning, you know, you had you didn't know if it was going to end tomorrow, if things were going to go back to normal. And like the later that it got, I think I was just like, you know, 
I sent it out for some reviews. It got reviewed really well. Like I, I don't think I got a single poor review, which is different for, <laughs> for the Nathans. And um, I just decided, I was like, no, man, fuck it. Like people are at home. They're definitely at home more than they would be normally, yep. Yep. even if they're out working or doing whatever. So I was like, they want music. People are buying records. Really, the decision came when after like for, there was like a week where everyone was like, my Discogs page is on fire. People are buying <laughs> all sorts of shit. And I was like, OK, well, fuck it. I'll, you know, put out the record. That was, and, me, that, uh, was Neil, that was Neil and I. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was the two of us buying shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I, I mean, because who knows how long this is going to last? So I'm trying to think to myself, like, do I want to sit around and wait on material that's going to be fucking a year old or a year right. and a half? Old? Yeah. When you'd rather start writing new stuff already? Yeah. We already we just recorded a new uh, another record. It's it's done. It's done. So, hmm. you know, we have we got a seven inch coming out on a split with uh reaganomics on red scare and okay. red girlfriend coming out next month and then we got two more split seven inches coming out we have a brand new lp called waste my heart that's recorded and it's just being you know the finishing touches are being put on it right now i mean i there's no if i can't tour what's the what's the point of sitting on this stuff i'm I'm at home i'm fucking i'm cranking out songs for some reason it's done it's been really good for my more than in my entire life it's just mm. the, I've, I've been fortunate to feel creative during this time and i'm just not gonna i have the means and the ability to put out records so if people are gonna listen to it i'm gonna put it out and i'll worry about playing shows later dude the, the shows mm. are always gonna be there i mean assuming i hope so the, the health risks are yeah i know, hope so I'll tell you what. So let's. We better. I say we better play one of those songs because uh, man, we went. That was a long, long. What we call a long segment. So what? You want? Let's do that, Nathan. Let's (laughs) do that. No, no, no. That's our fault, dude. We 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 ramble on, man. I hope you you, hope your computer's charged. Yeah. 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 Let's do let Let's do the track off the. uh, Let's do the Raging Nathan song. Yeah, Yeah. off the new Raging Nathan's oppositional defiance album. Um, I think where you been was the one we were gonna do, right? Yes. Does that sound right? Okay. Yep. So, Raging Nathans with Where You Been.
there it was where you been by uh, the raging nathans off their fantastic 2020 album oppositional defiance which so i really I want to talk about the new record but yeah. what i really like to do is actually go back a little bit we kind of jumped into this thing in the middle so so you're so you were you in uh were you in rad company too yes that and was that was my band that was your band too okay because raging nathans is i mean i hate to say your band but i mean you sing you play the guitar you write do most of the writing so you're kicking around. So how many years ago now did you start the label? It's been like ten years. Uh, 2011. 2000? Probably the end of 2011. So going on nine years, something like that. So you're you're playing in punk bands in Dayton, Ohio, but you're doing a little bit of touring, get a little bit of traction. What was the um, what was the impetus to start the label? <clears throat> because like. Uh... You know, Rad Company was, we were doing our thing, man, and, and I really liked that band. I loved that band. I, I put a lot of time time and effort into it, and, you know, we couldn't we couldn't get anybody to put out our, our records. We just we just couldn't get in with the with the DIY scene that that was around at the time. Like, you know, there were all these bands that, you know, you can go back to that that time period and just you know look in the magazines like the bands that were playing and we just couldn't get any labels to like to like like us really man and um <laughs> i think that a lot of the band like we played with some rad bands too you know like some of our first shows were killer and we we were a band for quite a while but we did like six seven inches or something and a split lp and i i put in a lot of work and and we, like bands always seemed to like us but um, we couldn't get anyone to take us on tour. I mean, the Nathans had that problem still. We can't get it, you know, can't get on good hmm. stuff sometimes. But anyways, the reason I started the label was because I wanted if I, I just decided that if, um, you know, other labels weren't, weren't going to help us out, then I was going to do it, do it myself. And um, and also, you know, around that time period, I I started thinking about how. Um, the, just like the the guys that I was in the band with, and I didn't know I was really bummed out because you know once Rad Company went under, I didn't really know. Yeah, I felt like I'd put all this time and effort into something, and I didn't know, you know, how on earth I was ever gonna build it back up again with another band. You know, it was just like pretty depressing, and I just decided that if you know the things that I wanted to happen for my band weren't gonna happen, you know, then I was going to. You make it. I was going to help out bands in one form or another. So starting the label mm. seemed like uh, it was a it was a move for myself at first, but it, then it turned into being able to like, okay, well, you know, maybe I can help my friends put out records and records that I like. So is is Rad Company still an active entity? Because I know you did the split with the Raging Athens, and like the first Rad Girlfriend record was like a like the Rad Company sock thing, right? Was that the first? <clears throat> that was the very first it was it was a repress of our first seven inch okay um rad company is not really a band anymore so there was this other guy his name's josher <laughs> um, josh and josher and josh yep. just played drums yeah, that, that that was the that was the joke actually the running like josh, josh and josh <laughs> he'd heard that uh, so many times he wasn't even slightly amused by it that's right <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it's it's funny that like it, that's where it always goes. But um, and him and I were were really close, you know. And he did a lot. We both we split the songwriting, and um, I really loved his songs, dude. It's just I think that he he went through a bunch of personal issues, and um, 
I wanted to tour more and I was figuring out how to make it work. And he just, you know, wasn't really having a good time on tour. And, it, and we were always constantly just arguing and it just didn't work out. So the last thing that we did was we recorded, we recorded a song for the RGF 100 for the dead wax. Comp, okay. The red last year. That come out last year. That was, yeah, last year. And I think that we had actually recorded the song in 2018. Um, but again, it was like we had recorded four songs and I wanted I had all this like shit that I wanted to do. And Joshua just kind of blew it off, man. Like, I, I don't know. He didn't even really play that much guitar on the record. I think I did most of it. And um, so I think two or three of those songs never even saw the light of day. I don't know where they are, which is a bummer because they were good. Um, but I, I forgot what I was talking about. What, <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Rad Company? How how Rad oh, Company? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So fucking Joshua didn't want to fucking do it anymore. So you know, I was like, "Fuck you, man." Um, but like, he did. So <laughs> we put out the Raging Nathan's did a collections record called called uh, Sleeper Hits, and the last song on the record is called "The Overpass." And I think that was one of the Rad Company songs that we had recorded in that session. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, fuck, this song is so good. Like, it's never going to see the light of day. So I just asked him if he cared if I recorded it as a Raging Nathan song. Um, and he was like, yeah, whatever. So, I mean, that you know, th that song in particular is, uh, is a Josher song. Hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, there was... He's just, he was a great, he was a great songwriter, dude. I loved, I loved being in a band with him, but it just took his toll on him in a different way than it did for me. And so, yeah, after eventually, you know, I tried, man, I tried to get it going again. Every once in a while I'll hit him up and I'll be like, go, let's fucking put out this or that. And he'd be like, you know, he's like, eh, we can do it as something else. I don't want rad company. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, okay. Fucking, fucking sounds like your D sounds like your DJ voice, Neil. It, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Maybe we'll so, maybe we'll hear that later. Yeah. So it is crazy that you guys have 125 releases out. I mean, I can't imagine when you started. You're like, oh, I'm gonna put out a couple of my own records. And when did you decide, hey man, I should be more ambitious with this, and maybe uh, uh, and try to take when, it to the next level? Well, probably that first mass that Mast Intruder Turkleton split. Mm. Um, because that kind of just it kind of just happened, but it happened very early on. So I think that was the 10th or 11th release, I think 10. And, um, it was just a seven inch. We, we didn't make like any money or anything, but we sold 1500 copies, I think. And, and mm. I mean, between, but there were three labels on it that are, one of them is hang up records, which Nate does the dummy room. Um, okay. Where's it? Is that in Wisconsin or is that Chicago? Yeah, it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, I, you know, I have seen it, and I've kind of been meaning to check it out more, but I, I'm, I'm familiar with it. So Nate used to run um, Hang Up Records. He does, I think it's called Hey Pizza Now or something. Okay. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we interviewed uh, – who did we interview from them, from Hey Pizza? I don't know. Do you remember, Tom? I don't know. Much like much like our friend Josh, we've done a lot of these now, Neil. It's hard to keep every single one straight. <laughs> but that's it, right. it, was it like a band on his label? Yeah, it was a band. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and then there was this other guy, Ryan, who was a really nice guy. He, um, why can't I think of the, the name right now? Something about a cat. Um, 
Lost, Lost Cat Records. Lost Cat, yeah. And Ryan's a nice guy. I haven't seen him do anything in a long time. But um, we did the initial press, I think, was a thousand maybe. And um, we obviously split that. But then I was I was like, well, fuck, man. I, I sold out of mine really quick. I was like, well, let's do a repress. And uh, neither one of those dudes was really kind of not, – not that they weren't into it. They just didn't like really – do anything to make it happen so i um i ended up with most of the copies i think and you know nate just like bought a couple off me so we sold like almost another 500 and then the band asked us not to like repress it again and so i was like yeah sure whatever um but i think at that point i realized okay well we did a good job with this i'm kind of getting my bearings on how to do this and um I think that I saw that it, Rad Girlfriend could be like a little bit of a stepping stone maybe for bands because immediately after that, you know, they got, they put out their first record and then that on Red Scare and then that got it was bought up. By, they put it out by Fat or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's that's probably where I realized that this could be something cool. Hmm. The the band on Hey Pizza was uh it was the Young Rochelles slash New ah, Rochelles. Ah, Young Rochelles. That's, yeah, we had Ricky. Uh, we had Ricky on. That's yeah, right. we, we had did. Ricky Rochelle. Yeah. yeah, cool. So let's let's play another song, Neil. Since we went so long with the first one, what was the next one on the list, Josh? Or did you have any idea of what order you wanted to play these in, or not particularly? Oh my goodness! Did did I did I send you a list of songs? <laughs> you did. Yes, you did. Neil, tell them what else is still on the list. Tell uh, them what yeah. else is still on the list. Ex-boyfriends, uh, brick fight. That was the next one in order, right? We yeah, do that well, one. that's yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, play that. What did I so, tell you? All the are there any punks out there? Yes, sir. Yeah. What's uh, tell us about this song? Well, dude, this band was really special to me. Like, I met I met these guys. They're from the Rio Grande Valley. They're from McAllen, Texas. Okay. And um, I met them when Rad Company played down there once. Uh, I, I don't remember what the tour was, but we played down there and um, we just partied down with these guys. They were great, great dudes. And then they gave us a demo CD. And um, I remember it just didn't leave our car, you know, or, or the van. We just listened to it. It was like six songs and um, it sounded like it, it had been recorded in, in like a fucking toilet, you know, but... <laughs> But the, the songs thing, were there. The songs were so good that I was just the first thing that I did when I got home was I hit them up and I was like, "Hey, do you want to do a split with Rad Company?" And that was the second LP, or that was the second release was mm. the Ex Boyfriends uh, Rad Company split LP. And um, Eric Fly, who passed away last year, um, he was like a really great guy you know he he filled in for like two rad company tours and um we just got along and he introduced me to all these people in the valley and all these bands and this amazing scene and group of people um that were just so fucking awesome and this band was just i don't know man they're, it's, it's right up there with all my favorite stuff i mean you listen to they, this this rec, this song is from their lp that we did called disease but all their songs. I mean, if you listen to the split seven inches, the split LP, this, I mean, this is one of my favorite bands and it's just a fucking, mm. I'm just broken hearted that he's not around anymore. I have never, I have never heard of them. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yep. So, so cool. this is, 
Ex-boyfriends, ex-boyfriends with Are There Any Punks Out There? Rewind your tapes to 93 or 94. I was at her 15 and went under to Punk Rock York. I looked at all the venues, wrote down the name of bands, and went from there. I torn the car and soon after to bleach my hair. Ex-boyfriends, are there any punks out there? Yeah. So, so at some point also, Josh, and I and and I don't know when you decided, hey, maybe I should go after some of these more legacy acts, or maybe they fell in your lap. It's funny because a lot of labels, that's because essentially I discovered you guys because you started putting out some of what I would call the legacy acts, like the uh, I think the Pink Lincolns was when I got when it came on your radar. Cause I'm a huge Pink Lincolns fan, and you put out Suck and Bloat at some point. Actually, it might have been before that that you were on my radar. But anyway, how did you get into that business? You just run into people, or you uh, just have favorites that you wanted to? I don't know, I'll let you tell me. How how do you get into the the retro punk business? Well, I'm looking. I'm actually trying. I'm like getting on Bandcamp to see what we put out. <laughs> well, the big ones. The big ones for me were well, even Dopamines. Now, Grant, you, you're. I didn't realize you. You're a member of that band now. They're from Cincinnati. That makes sense, pretty geographically. But I know you did. Yeah, you did for a pink link. You did the Pink Lincolns record, uh, Suck and Bloat, which is from the 90s at some point. And you did, and I know you're you're selling like the queer CD reissues, and and you played with them, so that makes sense too. Um, but what about like, uh, no, how would you, how'd you hook up with the Nobodies? One of my very favorite bands, one of the most underrated of the 90s punk bands, in my opinion. Well, well I, I linked up with them through playing with the queers. One of one of the tours that I did with the queers was, was a tour with the Nobodies. And... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got out. I got out the car and fucking, you know, me and JJ were were just that was it. Like, you know, we were 
we were just buds. In fact, yeah, he's he's a, he's an awesome he's an awesome dude. Talking to him last time he was in GR, he is. He's just he's what you see is what you get, he right? Really is. What's yeah. that? What you see is what you get. You know. Oh, absolutely, and and um, just a, a great guy who's been doing it for so long. You know, he's he's one of those dudes that's just you, you tell you stories that you just wouldn't believe. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, as a matter of fact, actually, before before we're done, we better get that number from him. We better uh, <laughs> better have Josh make a make a connection Contact? to yeah. us because he would he would be a lot of fun to talk to. Anyway, sorry, I'd continue, be, Josh. I'd be happy to. Well, it, I, it was funny because I the thing I just did this podcast on the Dummy Room, and it was about my like top eleven nobody's songs or whatever okay. um and so i got a text message from steve bauer last night he was the drummer one of the drummers for the nobodies and he was also okay. the drummer for buck buck oh nine and okay. he was like send me a link to that podcast so i can listen to it but he reminded me of a really funny story is like the like the first time that i stayed with the nobodies was in atlantic city and we had all you know we were out partying and gambling and just like being fucking crazy and they had this hotel room. We went to the hotel room and uh, whatever, everyone went to sleep. And, and I was the only one awake trying to go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, fucking Steve just like, you know, just his whole body's covered in tattoos like a suit. And he just fucking bolts upright in bed and just starts screaming. It, like gets up, takes a piss. Like he's like mumbling to himself and shit. And then he like just lies down and goes back to sleep. And in the morning, I was like, dude, what the fuck happened last night? He was like, oh, he's like, did you catch me in one of my Rambo moments? And I was, like, I was like, yeah, what happened, dude? And he goes, he goes, oh, that's from touring in the 90s. <laughs> that was his Vietnam <laughs> touring yeah, in the 90s. It was, fucking, it was so funny, dude. But, and he uh, reminded me. But listen, to answer your question, it was funny because I, I, I'm, I'm looking at some of these releases. And for me, the idea... I didn't realize that that it could be like this. You know, I, I thought that like putting out records was I, I didn't know what, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. Mm. I just got fortunate with um, with the stuff that I was getting. So like one of the first releases was this Burning Bridges um, record. And Alex went on to do Get Better Records, which is like huge now. Mm. And then, um, you know, then we had like the Mass Intruder, and then we started doing the the Pretty Boy. Like I had asked Jesse Thorson to put out some records, and we did um, the Little Happiness records, which was like you know to me an all star who's who of Minneapolis people. You got Annie from the Soviets and Patty from Dillinger Four, and um, I didn't even know that. Like, okay. Yeah, and then we did like a local band called Rob. Like these are the early years, you know. Like we did Rob the Bank, and Nate Farley from Guided by Voices was in that, and hmm. then. We did that. We we helped out, or we split the Maxi's record, you know, with with It's Alive, and you know, I think one of it was like this dude used to be in Squirt Gun, and the very first release that we ever committed to doing, and it took, you know, fifteen or seventeen releases to actually put it out, was this White Flag record, um, where Ray Pettibone did the artwork, right, the, mm. and, um it took a long time to, to do, but eventually it happened. And this is like when we're struggling for money too. And, um, I started to realize like, there are a lot of great bands out here. And uh, how do I put this? It's like, everyone would love to fucking put out a D4 record. Right. Or like, right. you know, sure. yeah, yeah, or yeah. Some, something like that, like with that prestige. But I started realizing that there's so many people that are in, in those bands that are in other bands that are looking for people to, 
you know, put out their records and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't happening. You know, like we, we took on a couple of apocalypse meow records, which was, you know, was Justin Francis and he was, um, off of their heads drummer for a long time. And at the time, you know, that was a band that I really liked. So mm. I was thrilled to do that. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, we did like a record with Todd Conjolier from recess, like a solo record. Yep. Um, I know him as a pro skateboarder. We did. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. world industries. I mean, how yeah. fucking cool is that? And Todd, yeah. you know, Todd put out, helped put out the first raging Nathan's LP. Um, Oh yeah. Which yeah. Like, That's tri label. Yeah. Three labels on that one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that someone suggested me to me that I ask him. And I was like, no fuck. I remember this crystal clear. Like it was early in the morning. I wrote Todd an email. I fell back to sleep because I was working nights. And I think I woke up in the afternoon and looked at my phone and Todd was like, yeah, sure. And, and Todd's a, he's a, he's a West coaster and you're, you're an East. Well, not, yeah, you're an, more or less an East coaster. So yeah, time, time issues. So, um, that is that is funny. Actually, I saw Toys That Kill one time. I never saw what was his other band that we was in for years and years. FYP. FYP. Yeah, I never got to see them, but I saw Toys That Kill. Nice guy. One of the few guys I meet out there that's older than me. I'm like, oh man. Anyway. Except for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, youngster. Yeah. So when crazy. you so so I I get what you're saying. So you you kind of like started by filling in the cracks, sort of sort of filling in the gaps where maybe some of the bigger labels wouldn't do it but you could still work with the people you wanted to work with absolutely and and then when people started to see that um we were that we were putting out records and when they and and we've started to build i i like to think of it like building that we've been building trust with people this whole time putting out good records you know and and they and hopefully they think um well, we're just going to pick this up because we know that it's not going to suck. Like, or, or, you know, or at least there's, there's some type of redeeming quality to it. If rad girlfriend's going to put it out, it may not be my thing, but like, maybe we can see why, why I did it. And then things just start happening, man. You know, the slow death Kyle Kinane record happened and that was, you know, that just falls into your lap. And, um, yeah, dude, the, the Soviets reissue, mm-hmm. a lot of it's just from, you, you know, I, I used to tell myself, like, I don't have any, you know, misconceptions about why I get to do some of the stuff I get to do. You know, it's like you put out someone's record and, you know, you you do something for them. They'll do something for you. And and while some bands are just great and people love them and, you know, everything goes their way, um, that's not really how it's been like in from from my bands. And so... um, I've gotten to do a lot of things and meet a lot of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise if it weren't for the label. Sure. So, so with the, so like for the, the queer stuff, are you just distributing, you're just doing the CDs for the queers? Is that what it is? And he's doing the oh. uh, LPs on his own label or? Well, that's a, I don't, when it comes to the CDs, you know, I had been playing with, with, the queers for a little while and um joe knew that i was running the label and he was just like hey man you know i can't like we're constantly like we don't have any no one's pressing our cds we don't have any cds so he just like you know wanted told me that I could, oh wanted them for like touring for like touring purposes probably yeah yeah and okay. he was like you can re you can reissue he's like let me ask mike park 
And if Mike says yes, you can reissue whatever the entire catalog on CD. Ah, so okay. He did, and Mike was like, "I remember I was at Disney World. I don't know why I fucking remember that, but he." <laughs> and I'm like emailing because your wife because your wife was mad at you because you were working while you're at Disney World. That's why you're <laughs> that. that you are a hundred percent correct. <laughs> um, and I remember him being like, I remember Mike being like, "How the like." how the fuck are you selling any of these CDs? Like I still have CDs from 20 years ago of, of the, <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, I mean, it's not, not my fault. You know, like I, like <laughs> my, my distributor for whatever. So what ended up happening is that we, we, we pressed all these CDs. All Joe wanted was record or CDs for tour when he wanted them. You know, yeah. I give him, you know, I gave him like a certain percentage right off the rip. And then anytime he asked for more, I just send it. But what <laughs> ended up happening was that my distributor, for whatever reason, was buying the fuck out of these CDs. Mm. And so I didn't even have to like sell them in the web store. Like I was just making money from them for, and, and not, not a lot of money either, mind you. Um, I was selling, I was, I was underselling myself. Um, cause I was like, oh, it's a CD. Like they're, you know, I should have been selling them for more, but um, I really just wanted them gone because at, at the time I was struggling for money and uh, for the label. And so getting like uh, um, a $100 here or $200 a month from the distributor was like very helpful when you have all these records to pay for. Hmm. And so um, that's how that happened. I actually got a call from B-Face because he was like, Yo, who told you that you could do this? Yeah, I played on those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I. So then you got to send some to him too. <laughs> well, right. So I explained to him the situation. And he was just like, "Okay, well, he's like, it doesn't have anything to do with you, but you know, like, you know, whatever. They they've got their their own issues. But I did get a I did get a phone call asking what the fuck was going on. <laughs> um, but we did love songs. We did don't back down. We did pleasant screams. We did. Punk Rock Confidential revisited, um, and then I we did a, a day late and a dollar short. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that happened. And through I don't I don't remember how I met Chris Barrows, but my wife, I mean, and me too. Like like the the records that I had picked up first were like even before like Suck and Bloat were like the Sumo Fume seven inches, and um, and my wife back loved, pink. What was that? Yeah. Tom? The, and, and, what is back from the pink room? Is that like, is that first, like their one? Their first, that's their first full length, isn't it? It's the first one. Yeah. Because I see and the second. The second one is out on a little label called Not for Profit Records, which I don't know what that is, but but I know the second one is called Headache. Headache, yeah. Any, Headache. Anyway, anyway, doesn't matter. But they were uh, on like full records too, I think. And I would, I would, I would, I wish you could put back for the pink room back out because that one is kind of dodgy right now you can find it on cd I, mean, I, I probably I, I i definitely could i i mean well i shouldn't say definitely i would have to well let me send you, let me send you my let me send you my want list well funnily enough it was but, a greedy bastard record so there you go Chris yeah an email because brandy my wife you know she loves suck and bloat and i did too and she was like well this I, is I, like his email i'm sort of surprised by that but anyway no i'm sorry <laughs> He's pretty good with Facebook and all that shit. Um, but yeah, so I just asked him, dude, and he was like, yeah. But it was kind of conditional. I mean, I had to – he was like, you can you can do suck and blow, but like you also – like I have the 7-inch and this 
other band that I play in with Sam from Down by Law called the well, Spears. Cool, yeah. that's cool. That was that was a cool record actually. That was on my definitely uh, on my towards the top of my year end list, whatever year that came out. Um, so. Um, okay, last but not least, not to beat a dead horse with the old bands, with the nobodies, did they call you and say, hey, man, we want to put out a new record? Or did you call them and say, hey, you need, dudes need to put out a new record? Uh, actually, now that I'm, now that I think about it, and this is kind of, it's kind of funny that you, the things that these conversations is making me remember, but the first. <laughs> traumatic, tra- traumatic childhood events relived yeah, on the punch yeah. yeah, Oh, dude. <laughs> Yeah, any tour with the nobodies is traumatic. Fucking. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I I remember that I had toured the first tour that I did with the Queers was with Justin. It was with and he was the you know the drummer of the the nobodies. And I remember towards the end of it talking to him about the nobodies, and that's where the I think that's where the seed got planted. But then the next time around, when I toured with the nobodies, and it was it was like JJ and randy and steve and adam i i we got along so well that i think that i had just um i had asked them if they would do a split i think i played the raging nathans for them and then like they were like one of these they were like dudes that were actually like whoa this is they i remember them being like whoa this is good like or i like (laughs) this and not just you know when you play your your band for somebody and they're like oh yeah, yeah like whatever they were like oh this is good and um i asked them if they wanted to do a split and Lo and behold, fucking, he actually followed through. In fact, when I got home, he sent me uh, a song and he goes, hey, man, uh, I've got this song that I can't like that. I haven't been able to write lyrics to. I was wondering if you wanted to take a shot at it. So on the Raging Nathan split with the Nobodies, there's a song called uh, Brown Street Pimp, which Mm. is like based on a guy who lives around here. Um, And I wrote, you know, I wrote the lyrics for it. And he fucked JJ used them, and then and, and so like yeah, I wrote a nobody song all of a sudden, and Sweet. Um, once that happened, the seven inch went so well that the, that he was like, hey, I'm fucking, I got this whole new nobody's LP, you know, do you want to put it out? And and the the rest is history, man. It was just mm. it it was all organic, it was supernatural. There was no like you know uh, trying to make something happen out of you know. It, I mean, it had to be 15 years or so since their last album, I assume. I think it was 17. 17 yeah, it had, been a long, it had been a long time. You love that band, Neil. I don't know how much you're into them, but, man, I love the Nobody's. Filthy, filthy music for filthy people and funny and fast and, and great. Yeah, and and also with surprising amounts of, like, really good songs. I, I, I don't know. It's hard I to I, explain. I feel like I played, I played one of their songs on the show, Neil. I don't remember what it was. Was it on the Dirty Show? I think you well, played, it was. It was I perfect. Think, I yeah, played perfect. I think you played uh, them yeah, a couple yeah. times. I think you played them a couple times. Tell you the truth, you've gone on about the nobodies you, numerous were, times. I swear, when you played with the nobodies, you guys didn't play perfect, and I was just screaming it at the top of my lungs, my drunken uh, lungs. But oh yeah, that guy. Okay. I rem- yeah, and I remember I liked playing perfect, and so, but JJ wouldn't always play it. I, I remember that. Um, I caught some shit for that, you know, putting out a nobody's record. And I remember my wife being like, you know, she was like, who the fuck is going to tell me what, what uh, she's like, I'm a woman. I put this record out. Like who the fuck is going to tell me what I can and can't do? Oh, oh, she's defensive of it. So, so you and your wife, so is your wife, your wife was the rad girlfriend. Now she's the rad wife. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how. It, that's the way it went. That's because right. if you, yeah, imagine you go to your girlfriend and you say, "Hey, I want to start this record label. We're probably never going to make any money." And she says, "Sure, go for it." I guess that's a pretty rad yep. girlfriend, right? That is a rad girlfriend. Is that, yeah, is that, yeah. I mean, is that's... that the inspiration for the name, or where did where did you actually get the name? Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, it. and dude, you know, she, she was just like, and she'll still remind me of this sometimes too, and she'll just be like, "Look, if you're, if you, do you like doing? Because I'll get stressed out over shit, you know." And she'll be like. Sure. Do you, do you like doing this? I said, yes. She said, well, f- fucking do it. You know, like, don't, you know, don't be straight. Is this supposed to be fun? This is supposed, not supposed to, you know, exactly. stress you out. Like, like if you, you know, so she's always been, so she, she was always been very supportive. I mean, I, I, I handle most of the label business, but, you know, she's always had a say in, in, you know, certain aspects of it. Sure. So, Yeah. So, so Tom, let's, let's, Tom, you'll, let's, you'll, Tom, you'll yeah, love. Let's, no, let's, hold on a second. You'll you'll love this. So you've actually played the Nobodies twice on the show before. Okay. You've, you played them, yeah, on the on the Dirty episode. Obviously, you played Perfect. But then and this will make you all wince. So when COVID first started being a thing back in <laughs> March, we actually <laughs> had the sick. Yeah, we actually had the sick episode, and you played the song "She's Sick of You." By the uh, by well, the, the thing nobodies. is, we thought it was only going to last like a couple of weeks. And we, we did, just we did, we thought it was all so, completely. Yeah, we actually did yeah. a show where all we played were songs with "sick" in the title. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, so that's awesome. a long time. Yeah, ago. I hope I don't know if that'll age well, but you know, we always kind of <laughs> laughed and said, "Oh, someday," you know, we, we always have so much to talk about because we're always going to shows and doing all this stuff, and then it's like, okay, now we're just living out of our own memories. But that's all right. Let's go. You know, we've been talking a long time again, and we haven't played a third song yet. So let's go ahead and. Do that. What's next on the list, Neil? Um, brick fight. So, brick fight. Yeah. So what's the deal oh, with them? Brick fight. Oh me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neil uh, doesn't know anything about brick fight. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard so him before. Yeah. Is, this is not a very. This was not a very popular record on the label or anything. Um, the the reason that I chose this song is because this song is just a fucking great song, man. You know, and, and like, I wish the, these guys, the first time I met them, I used to do house shows at my, you know, at my house for years. And, um, they came, they're from Chicago, Chicago dudes. They, they came through with, um, wide angles. I think, um, they did a really long tour with the dopamines, like in 2007 or something. But, I still, these are just great people that they're they're lifelong friends of mine. And, um, I stay with them, you know, when I go to Chicago, they're, there's just like, they're always there. They're, they're fucking great dudes. And the song I remember, um, was just like, this one stuck out to me on the, not only on the record, but in our entire catalog of just a song that I, um, you know when you just feel it man you know or it gives you goosebumps so this was off the record to what end and um it's just a fantastic song okay there you go it's a good introduction so we got brick fight with what's left is worse Good down for 
There it was. Brick fight. Right to that his worst. There's that DJ voice that yeah. we all love. There you go. So, so tell me something. I remember. I always remember reading like Mike Park's newsletter back in the day, and he was talking about how. You know, everything he has is in his mom's garage, and he, I think he had, like, one guy helping him ship it all out. Do you have, is your garage full of records, and you ship them out? I mean, do you touch pretty much everything that gets sent out at this point still? Everything that's ever been, that any record that's ever been sold through Red Girlfriend, I've put my fingers on. Wow, so we've communicated numerous times, then. That's pretty yeah, cool. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. My DNA is somewhere. Well, the truth is, but you guys, I mean, you guys are big enough now, your records are on Amazon. That's that's from my distributor, yeah. I mean, oh, from your distributor, okay. That, but that's still. The, 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 but like, also, I'm I'm wondering, like, who the fuck is buying, you know, a rad girlfriend record on Amazon? Actually, that's the, for the. I'm gonna answer my own question. That I, I one time I I like sold all the the black copies to my distributor, and I only made a hundred of them. So they they were like in turn the rarest of the uh, of right. the pressing. Makes sense. Um, and so this girl had wanted a black copy and i was like oh, i don't have any sorry like you can buy one off of amazon and she did so i guess two days, two days shipping effect. two day shipping and warped records that's what you get oh bummer yeah i don't i don't know but no man i mean so my old house where i used to have bands come and stay and 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 all that like um it had like two living rooms and the so i turned you know the second living room was like where we did all the record stuff um but then, you know, Brandy got pregnant. I had a kid. There was no room. And, and I am so disorganized. I mean, like, they're just piles of shit. But it's, you know, for me, it's organized chaos. Like, I know where, you know, it's it's in the third pile of shit, like, six records down. <laughs> I can remember that. Um, but it was really, like, fucking the house up. You know, it was just really <laughs> messy. Um, so, it's like a fire hazard. Oh, it was, I mean, it was disgusting, man. I don't blame my wife for fucking you know, being mad at me. But once once the kid came, you know, we had dogs. It was just like there was nowhere to to do the shit. So um, we, when we bought the new house and and moved, we we've been here for like two a little over two years, and now the the basically the basement is mine, and I um I mean it's hers too, but <laughs> it's where all the <laughs> yeah understood uh, understood. All the records <laughs> are, and, and there was like this weird room, like in the basement that had all these mirrors and shit in them, and I, and I think that they were for you know like an exercise room. It was like little like, weird fat old people like fucking each other in front of these not, mirrors. Not it like was a, it was a, it was like a, a sex, sex room, or a sex yeah. swing. Yeah. yeah, it was a sex swing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's like where my mind goes. Yeah, she my, she was like, no, it's like probably like a workout room. Mm. Uh, sure, so yeah. when this shit first started, when the pandemic started. It was just filled with like boxes of leftover like uh, LP jackets, and I don't know what got into me. Oh, I I was like looking for somewhere to hang my guitars. Like I was like, oh, this would be cool on the wall, and so like I hung like all my guitars on on this wall in this room with all this like shit in it, and um, and then like the next day I just she was she just my wife had just ordered she ordered like a fucking desk and a little table and bought some paint and we painted the walls and you know turned it into all of a sudden it went from like this really weird sex room into like into <laughs> an office you know yeah. my punk rock office where yeah, no yeah. sex happens yeah no matter how hard you try <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, p- t- p- turn your green day poster over 
There you go. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't want Mike Dirt looking at me while I do this. <laughs> yes. uh, so, so let's shift gears a little bit. Actually, talk about the new Raging Nathan's record. I've only listened to it a couple times, but I definitely have noticed. I know Neil's Neil's. You've listened to it quite a few times now, right? I have. I love it. Yeah, I think it's really, really, really good. Yeah, it's it's definitely so. So I just so I was in Chicago last weekend. Neil, where did I find? I, man, I found a really nice copy of the first record on Red Vinyl. That was at Record Breakers. At Record Breakers, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. The old the one that used to be at Reggie's. Yeah, now it's in Milwaukee. But now it's yeah. out on out on Milwaukee Avenue. But yeah. anyway, I found a very nice copy of the first album. But the um, I the don't t- even have a copy of it on Red anymore. Don't you really? Well, I'll tell you no, what. If you want to send me, a, if you want to send me a black one, I'll send you the red one. No, um, I'll have to get it from Amazon. But that's awesome that you found one. Um. Yeah, we, I had a really nice week, weekend record shop, and we went. Neil's in the Chicago area, so we went up and and we actually went to one of these parking lot shows. Which I don't want to beat a dead horse because our last episode we pretty much talked the whole time about going to see Pegboy in a parking lot, which was yep. a really surreal experience. How but was um, it? it was it. If that's the future, I don't know that I want to participate in the future. I mean, you know, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's there. just you know, you know, you've been going to punk shows for a hundred years. It's just. That's it's more than just the music, you know. It's more than just the music. You have to feel it as much as hear it. So yeah, I don't want to sit there and fuck. I did my my friend Tommy did the was doing merch for them and he saved me a. I asked him to save me a poster with, like with the wrench, you know. Yep, yep, yep. I saw those. Uh, so, so I'm cool. waiting on that to show up. But yeah, that's yeah, man. That's fucking weird. It was. It, it just, was weird. It yeah. was a good excuse to get together and hang out. You know, a couple of us went over there and had had a good. It was, you know, it was nice to see everybody, but um. Dang it! Now I lost my train of thought. You were talking anyway, about the new, the new Raging Nathan album. The new, the new but definitely, I definitely feel a different, like, a quite a bit different tone between the new record and like the first record. Now, granted, that was quite a few years ago, and I but I read somewhere about that the shift in tone was intentional, and I was sure it was on some web page or something. And I'm sure you probably wrote it, but so at some point you decide you want to be a little more serious with that band lyrically. What? What? Yeah, what I mean. I definitely like there. The Raging Nathans were us was a side project, you know. So it was going on while Rad Company was happening. I think we we the first time we got together or did anything was like in two thousand eight. So it's been quite some time, but mm. we didn't we didn't really do anything for several years because I was focused on something else. And um, when that ended, I really put all my energy into the Nathans. But the first seven inch was in 2012, um, and I remember like um, there, there was like there's like a demo, like a lost demo from when we first started. I think it, they, the songs were on MySpace, you know, and I tried to track them down, um, but MySpace is like I don't know if you've ever tried to go on MySpace recently, but it's like. <laughs> I couldn't find my like my old band stuff from on there or my personal profile. I can't even find it anymore, so I don't know. It's so fucking weird. It's like intentionally, it's like intentionally hard to navigate and use. It's real weird, but so, so it's like the newest Facebook update. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, no, dude, the newest Facebook update looks like MySpace. The old like. <laughs> now. I was just thinking that it's so weird, um, but uh, yeah. So on. there's always been this like level of trying to, I don't know how to put it. If you listen to the lyrics on some of the older stuff, I mean, I, it's trying to be honest is what is what I was trying, was aiming for. Sure. And often on some of the old things, 
ends up coming off as like juvenile or crude or like but intentionally so because that's the way young men talk right it's it's a hundred percent me yeah Yeah. i mean that's the thing is like it 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 (laughs) absolutely is who i was at the time it's just some people are so um like elegant with their writing and i was like yeah i smoke and snort coke you know i'm like (laughs) i i I just wish that i had i had a little more like tact back then or like had given a little bit more thought into writing the songs or but at the time i was saying exactly what i wanted to say and so i don't regret it it's just like it's hard to listen to now, you know, and it's hard for, for me to imagine like a grown up, like listening to that record and being like, Oh yeah, the raging Nathans. I'm, I can totally take this band seriously. Mm. Um, and so that, that was to, you know, that's to my detriment, but whatever. I mean, fucking everybody has a first record, right? You know, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like I wrote a song called I can't stop farting or, you know, <laughs> Or, Which a, so- a song know. that still takes him around the world, yes. Joy's got a tit job or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds oh, vaguely man. familiar. Joe, Joe, listen, Joe, Joe writes the best upset. <laughs> Joe writes the best songs about tits. We all know it. Stop being jealous. But it's funny, <laughs> you know, because even even that first record, you know, the first full length. I don't have the first EP, but the first full length. We have a song like "I'm on Drugs." It, it comes across as kind of juvenile, but there is a second level to it too. Well, you know? I, actually, let, let, let me let me uh, explain myself. The the first sure. seven inch has a song on it that is like that. the The first LP doesn't actually. I mean, you were, you were already you feel like you'd already kind of turned a corner by the time the first LP came up. Yeah, there was no like there there was a lot less. Um, in fact, like actually, there's it's only like two or three songs ever that like were kind of like that that just didn't really like y- you know that I'm like embarrassed to listen to now. The rest of it, like you know, the lyrics are actually me and Nick are the songwriters, and we often split split it completely. So like you know, I think I probably have a few more songs than he does on the first LP, and usually it I, it leans my way, but. Um, the lyrics actually aren't juvenile or like funny at all. In fact, they're, they're all pretty serious. Like, like a a lot of the, the records have like most of my songs have to deal, like deal with either death or personal relationships. Um, you know, there's that, there's a song called the betrayal. That's the last song on the first record. And I wrote that song and, you know, I just, I think that's a fucking, I, I really do. I think that's a great song. And I'm on drugs is, is that's like, there's nothing, um, tongue in cheek about it. Like that song was, is about a friend of mine who committed suicide. And mm. so it's not like, if you listen to them, there's not a lot of like cheeky shit. It's, it's pretty serious stuff, but the, there, there was a conscious effort to make sure that, the lyrical themes were going in that direction, not in the, not, not taking a step 
back. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And so was the so you you were talking about you were so you worked in Blind Bob's you worked at Blind Bob's in the Oregon District, and at the beginning of the new album, it's it's a strange song. It's a strange song to open the record with. I think it's a powerful statement. It's kind of news clips from that shooting from a couple of years ago in the Oregon District, and you live in that area too. I I think somebody told me, or you just worked there. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I lived I lived there for years and years, but um, I mean, I've so, worked I've worked at that bar for twelve. So, so this obviously had a pretty profound impact on you. Did that color the writing of the whole record? Yeah, well, I mean, so first of all, the shooting happened. It began at, at my work. Oh, was that right? It happened at Blind Bob's? It, so it happened outside, right? But so, so if people don't remember, I, Neil, do you remember this? It was, it was a weird story. It was some, just some troubled kid or something. It was one guy, right, brought a rifle and just started shooting people in the bar district or something like that. I remember yeah, what happened. I mean, it was kind of a big deal, dude. I, I'm, it's well, sad, it's sad the, to say, but there's been so many. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. But that I just one remember that one because I have been to the Oregon District and drank in the Oregon District. Anyway, I'm huh. sorry. Go, keep going, guys. Well, no, the, the day before there was a big shoot. There was a shooting at the Walmart in Texas, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it was like it, it, um, kind of a spotlight on the issue at the time because in an, a matter of 48 hours, like, you know, like whatever, real... dozens of people yeah. had been shot and killed. Um, so I was on tour in Europe at the time. Mm. I couldn't I couldn't come home. I mean, you know, it's super weird, man, because, you know, I spent a lot of time at that place. And so does Christian. The, the You know, he works there, too, the bass player. So when all this shit happened, like, you know, you're thinking to yourself, like, like, why, you know, why did this happen? How could this happen? Like, when I'm not there? Like, I don't know. It's a weird feeling of like, uh, what? Like, I'm happy I wasn't there. But also, I feel like I, it was like a little bit of like this guilty, like, like survivor's guilt. Yeah, I mean, not not quite, man. Because I, I don't want. I'm not trying to like, you know. I'm not. Sure. I'm not going. Not down trying to make it about. Not trying to make it about you. I get that. Yeah. Certainly not. It, it was just. It, and, and in fact, that's exactly what Tragedy Ghouls was about. Was, you yeah. know, I, um, I was not able to come home, and so even when I did come home, I went directly to New. Like I flew into to LaGuardia and then drove to New Brunswick to record the Loose Behavior LP. And so even when I was home, I couldn't. And then, and then when I was, when I was done with that, I flew back to Dayton and the next day was supposed to do this like week tour with the Barstool Preachers. And finally I had to draw the line somewhere and be like, I have to address this issue, like what happened at home. So Mm -hmm. I canceled that tour and went back to work. And, um, one of the main things that was happening was I was like two things. I was getting like text messages the whole time I was after it happened of like, and photographs and videos of not like what the news shows you, but like my fucking homies and my mm. friends that, that work and so, live down yeah. there. So like, dude, I was getting these videos of fucking motherfuckers, you know, with their brains blown out, Oy. fucking white sheets covering them. Uh, mm. One of the ones that fucked me up real bad was, uh, and I regret, I regret watching these now. Um, but like, was this video of like this guy giving this woman who had been shot um, CPR and, and she's bleeding and she's obviously dead and fucking, you know, he's like crying and he's like, he's like, come on, breathe, baby, breathe. And, um, you know, I got like a, a, a picture of like the shooter, 
like dead in the in the doorway of the bar that he tried to enter um, from the inside of the bar. You know, it was like one of my friends was inside the bar and took a picture of this. And so that was one thing. And then the other thing that had happened was after that, there was like um, this giant media circus that happened in the Oregon district um, where for uh, and, and I was gone for this. I was still on tour for seven days or 10 days or whatever afterwards they're just tense cnn fucking you know abc nbc they're all set up you know interviewing people fucking taking pictures taking videos like so i finally get home and fucking go back to work and um i remember like there was like melted wax everywhere from like candlelight vigils i remember there was walking across the street and there was just bullet holes in uh, the glass across in the epa building across the street and there's like you know i had been gone everyone else had been at home they had a chance to process what happened and so it's all kind of hitting me you know and i remember specifically like that most of the um media people were gone and one of the big gripes that that people had was like they were like leaving trash everywhere they were just like being disrespectful and mm. there was this guy with a microphone you know from one of these news channels he was out there like, you know, doing jumping jacks and like giggling and fucking with his cameraman and shit. And I remember just I kind of flipped out on the dude because I just felt like, look, man, this isn't your fucking home. You know, it's mine. And, you know, I, I, I know that you don't know this, but I just got home and all this shit is hitting me right now. And I'm looking at you and you're having a great fucking time because you're just at work. You're and, and I'm not like I I'm at work, too. But this is where I live and I'm trying to, you know. Oh process everything that's going on and so that was the um that was i knew at that moment that that was the that's what i wanted to do with the song because i had this riff i loved it i thought the i thought the riff was really cool and i just couldn't write lyrics to it nick couldn't write lyrics to it no matter how hard we tried and then it just kind of hit me like like this sensationalism you know of and it makes you like desensitized, you know, it's like, oh, I was all this, you're just flipping through the channels and they're just like talking all this shit. And it's like, yeah, man, tragedy ghouls. That's what I call them because they're, they're, they're just like these fucking like creatures that feed on, you know, the other grief people's, and pain. other people's misery. Yeah. And like, no, I, I get that. It's their job, you know? And yeah. while it's like, you know, while it's like important that the, that the united states has a, a a free and open media to to be able to report the news and stuff like that i think at like some point it becomes really uh difficult you know to to separate when is when enough is enough and like when is too much or crossing the line because that day you know what the fuck was that guy doing there also like you know someone i work with got shot and i remember like you know, six months ago, it's only been a year, and this asshole fucking walks into the bar, this news guy, and he was like, it was on the six-month anniversary of the shooting. I'm working with the fucking girl who got shot, right? And he comes in, he was like, hey, uh, like from across the bar, he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about the uh, six-month anniversary of the shooting, right? And I just like, I'm like, hey, I'm like, come here. He comes around the side of the bar, I'm like, you see that fucking girl over there? I was like, she got shot in the leg. You think that she fucking wants to talk to you about the fucking anniversary of the shooting? Like, you know, if you want to come talk to me about it, you know, like, or or ask if that's something that we would want to talk about, I could talk about it with her. But I was like, she was a victim in this. And like, you know, you, they're just, there's no cooth. There's no tact. There's no, like, it was not, yeah. 
it's not real it to them. It's not real. No, to it's them not. At that's all. it. It's not yeah. personal to them, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and people forget that it's these are real people that got hurt, real people that got killed, real families, and a community yeah, that like is suffered some weird shit that like you never think is going to happen to you until it does. Huh. Um. So yeah, and so I'm sorry to go off on that. It's just no, no, no it was good. cool. It was actually Absolutely. very, it was actually very powerful. Yeah, thanks. Um, but the song, I once it was done, I knew that a couple things. I knew that I wanted to open the record with it. I knew that it was going to set the tone for the rest of the record. And I also knew um, two other things. One, that people would probably skip it. Um, and that, uh, and the other thing is that like it had made, I had listened to it enough to where I had become totally oblivious and de- desensitized to it. And that's <laughs> my punishment for doing it, I think, is that I no longer, <laughs> I don't hear like, you know, um, it's hard to pain. it's hard to it's hard to skip songs on records, so you know it's hard to skip songs on vinyl. On so. vinyl, yeah, yeah. People hey, are listening well, that, to it. That's true. Yeah, I mean, but Christian and I got into a huge argument. Like he almost quit, you know, because he he's a lot more um, he cares more about like social shit than I do. You know, I, I I don't give a fuck about about having friends and stuff. Like that's not why <laughs> I'm doing. Well, I just mean that's not why I'm doing this. I'm not here sure. to fucking press like sure. yeah, the yeah. guy on gotcha. district you know he was like well you know how are, how am i supposed to explain this to everybody and like you know how can you enjoy this record like when you open up like uh, uh, with with like a song like that and i just had to just put it bluntly like i don't give a fuck about what your fucking friends think about my song like that's not you know what i'm saying like yeah, fair we, enough yeah yeah they're, they're not the only people that exist like this is the way that i'm processing my fucking grief and 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 the shit that happened this is how i'm doing it like i'm sorry if your friends don't want to listen to my fucking record like they don't have to you know yeah you didn't Hmm. write it for them yeah yeah sure no i didn't and i and in fact on the dead wax i i like i dedicated the record to the victims of the of the oregon district shooting like you know yeah i don't i didn't know any of them you know except for the girl that i work with it it was actually the drummer of rad company's wife who got shot Hmm. oh really yeah, and so like, yeah, dude, I don't know. It's 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 an insanely personal record, um, and I just knew that like, okay, listen, if you skip the first song as I do when I turn on the record, um, <laughs> it opens with "One Day Closer," and I think that's an equally good song to start a record with. So mm. um, that's why I did that. You know, I'm basically lazy. I usually use the automatic feature unless I'm playing a 10-inch. I generally don't ever move the needle by hand, so. Yeah, I, I listen to it every time, actually. I, I don't, so. I've never skipped it once. So, so hey, hold on a second. So, I have to ask about that album. So, th- the cover. Wh- who's the guy being attacked by the tiger? What's what's the deal with it? What's the deal with the cover art? <laughs> um, it's funny that you ask. Because, uh, <laughs> well, it, it just seems like a really random image for that for that album, you know what I mean? <laughs> The, the the idea was uh, oppositional defiance. So oppositional defiance disorder is a real thing where it's just like, you know, where kids are, it, it's actually kind of fucked up. It's like, you know, it, it's just this hatred of authority. And while I don't feel like I have a disorder, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it kind of summed up how I was feeling and, and politically, like just emotionally. And, and I, I, I fucking hate being told what to do more than anything in my life. Like oppositional defiance, just you know, 
it's how I felt. And so I was the, the original thing that I was trying to do is I was trying to find a fucking picture of a kid, like punching a cop in the face. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I, like I had it in my head, like what I wanted, but I just couldn't track down an image that I, you know, could find. And so I thought that like an animal attack would be another version of what I was trying to get across, which is like, you know, here's this tiger attacking a dude. And because it's like, I'm a fucking tiger and you're a dude. Like, don't tell me what, (laughs) what to do, you know? Dude, you know, which one Um, would have been perfect. Have have you ever seen that video uh, on YouTube or whatever of like the hunter and he's being attacked by a deer and the deer is on its like hind legs (laughs) and it's fucking smashing him in the face with its hooves. That would have been perfect. No, but I will check it out now. Um, but the the reason that it's funny that you asked about the cover is, well, no one has yet. But <laughs> I found that image, right? And it has a fucking photographer. Like, somebody took that oh, picture. Sure. Yeah. And I finally, like, I tr- tried. Hey, listen. I'm, I tracked down the fucking dude, who it was. I Googled it until, like, I did some research. I found out who had taken the picture. And I wrote the guy an email. And you never fucking wrote me back, so I used the picture anyways. See, I was thinking so the because first, because the first it, email you get from him is going to be cease and desist. Yeah, cease and desist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah See, but like, what's he going to do? Like, sue me for the profits of five hundred records? Like, dude, fuck you. Yeah, should have should have wrote me back. See, here was the deal because it, it came out right about the time that that what was that stupid show on HBO oh, or right, whatever, yeah. Tiger King yeah. or whatever. So I was like, is it something to do with that? I was trying to figure it out. Yeah, first, it wasn't, but, a, it, wasn't was, a stu- it wasn't a stupid show. It was a human drama that was damn. It was damn a human drama. That's true. I, I agree. I was enthralled by that show. It was very compelling. Yeah, I couldn't watch it fast enough. Until the last episode, every, every I got very disappointed. Was, it was just like real life, Neil. Every character was more despicable than the last. No one was particularly likable. <laughs> just just like real life. Yeah, yeah. You, you nailed it. So, uh, hey, so you mentioned... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I don't want to interrupt. No, I was just going to say that it, it, it's unfortunate that... Because it has been... I've asked, been asked that before, too, about if, is that fucking Joe Exotic or whatever. And it, it kind of bummed me out. But, no, it's it's not. I mean, it's just a, 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 a trying the, trying to describe how I felt. in The, the timing was just kind of coincidental. So, yeah. so you mentioned... Okay, because I know you picked a song by this band. And once again, we've got a long segment without any music. You picked a song by Loose Behavior. So, do you did you play with them, or you said you were going to record something with Loose Behavior? What's what's Loose Behavior, and what's the song that you picked out by them? Do you remember? So, or does need to remind you? <laughs> uh, no, I don't remember. Well, I don't remember which song. Which which song? Oh yeah, I, cover I, I your ears. Um, cover, cover your ears. Yeah. So you actually missed the dopamine, is, Tom. Well, we'll, we'll play the dopamine last. Okay. Oh, I did. I pick a dopamine song too. Yeah, oh, I, yes. I just picked all of my bands, huh? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all right. That works. That works. That's right. I'll, play, I'll listen, man. I'll play the Nobodies and the Pink Lincolns almost every other week, so we'll be all right. All right, good. Um, <laughs> Loose behavior is me, Jesse Thorson from the Slow Death, uh, Mikey Erg, and Jamie from the Arteries and Pale Angels. So it's the four of us. So uh, Mikey Erg plays drums, or does he do something different? Yeah. He, he plays drums. Okay. I play guitar. Jesse plays guitar, and Jamie plays bass. Okay. Um, on the LP, Jesse wrote most of the songs, or I think he wrote he wrote all the songs. I wrote one of them. I think Jamie wrote. I, I don't know, but like we had just got he we got together, got in a room, and recorded you know 
we learned the songs. We didn't know the songs. We learned the songs and recorded an LP in two days um, mm. or three days. And But the seven inch, so we did a tour. Um, we did one tour and that was the last show that I played. And it was the last show was like March 1st mm. and it was loose behavior. And we, the seven inch had just come out and, or no, excuse me. We had, we had stopped in North Carolina to record the seven inch. And so we recorded four songs in like five hours and we each wrote a song. Um, like on the so spot. Mike, you, well, we knew that we were going to do it, but. Oh, but you taught him. Like, okay. You learned him on this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think I like got, I, we were, I was at the tin roof where I met JJ. And I think I, after we played, I went into the van and kind of like got the guitar out and worked it out, you know, mm-hmm. But yeah, so all the songs were recorded like that, and um, that's the seven inch, and it turned out I th- it turned out pretty good. Well, very fresh. You didn't burn yourselves out playing the songs, right? It, oh no, I mean it was just like fucking get in there and do it. And so this is from that EP. This song, cover your ears, that we're gonna play. No, this, this is, is, this is, from, this the is from the album. Yeah, it's from okay. the album, and this is one of my favorite songs on the record. Did you write this one, or did one of the other guys write this? No, this is Jesse. Jesse, okay. okay. So this is Loose Behavior with um, Cover Your Ears off of the album Sad Action.
of this year's album sad action right came in 2020 right yep yep so so you so i didn't realize you were a full-time member of dopamines can you hang with those guys when you go out and tour can you drink with those guys or you just gotta let them do their thing and you just kind of get out of the way well it's a fun (laughs) (laughs) those guys do do Uh, they they, neil they'd like i mean they just guzzle pitchers of beer while they play they they play for a half hour they drink like i do you know like like I do over a course of a whole weekend, they drink during our. Do they still do pitches? Is that a thing? I can remember in the eighties, pitches was a it, thing. And dive bars like Mulligans, there is. <laughs> still okay, <a> all right. <laughs> pitches of what? Of, As a matter uh, of fact, I'm pretty sure that's eighty percent of your pay is pitchers of PBR. But that's right. Old Milwaukee, old Milwaukee <laughs> yeah. best or something. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. They are. Uh, they are unique in terms of how they approach. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, dude, it's like it's a double-edged sword, right? Because like I've never had more fun in my life than than touring with them, but at the same time, I've never been more frustrated in my entire fucking life than at that at those guys, you know. And not because of, I, it's just a. Is it because they a, don't because of the productivity thing? Because you can't get them to make make new music. Yeah. So like. I mean, that's part of it. So I was, I joined the band in 2013 and they hadn't put out a record. So we, we put out tales of interest, which I play on. What? So Um, what year was that? That was like 15, 2017, 17. Okay. Cause that was the tour. I mean, that was what you guys were touring behind when I saw you in Grand Rapids was that album. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember, I remember that show. Um, and that was like, getting towards the end we were the the thing is is like they just truly don't give a fuck man and not not about like the music it's just they just don't give a fuck about people like what people think and it's like incredibly um admirable and liberating to think like that but at the same time it can get really frustrating because they you know listen i love to party those dudes love to party but you know, someone's got to drive, right? I mean, so, someone. It, but it, like most of the time, it was like me. Like there's there's things that like they don't take into consideration, you know. So you become like the den mother when you go on tour with them. Is that what you're saying? You become Johnny Ramone is who we become. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it's not who I want to be, you know. And, and <laughs> he wants always... to be Dee Dee. He wants to be Dee Dee, but they're making him be Johnny. <laughs> yeah, and it always ends up in some kind of like 
you know, fight or argument because <laughs> somebody's taking it too far. And I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to do my best and I'm trying to make shit happen. I mean, cause I love, I love those guys and, and we're working on new material right now, but, um, you know, there's there's been some fucking serious substance abuse issues and mental wow. health issues and and like and just like hilariously funny things. I mean, I remember at one time, like, and I won't say who, but like we played with like one like a bigger band, and the guy was like, you know, trying to tell one of them like how oh I'll put you in touch with my booking agent. Well, you know, we should really like. And I remember them just being like, we don't want a fucking booking agent. You know, and like he was like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's your shtick. Like, like, I get it. Like, you guys don't give a fuck. And like, I'm just looking at them and I'm and I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, you don't fucking get it, dude, buddy. Like, (laughs) it's not a (laughs) shtick. These guys do not give a fuck about your booking agent or like or your markets or your fucking whatever, dude. Um like one time they got an I love telling the story like like John got an email from this agent that was like do you want to open for this band or this band and I remember he just like wrote them an email back that was like I would rather get fucked in the ass by a horse than <laughs> <laughs> than open for this band What's been local and, age? and he was like if they want to open for us that's cool uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. It, it's hard because they all they want to do is have fun. And I love them. I mean, they're they're like, you know, really important part of my life. But um, it can be frustrating. So trying well, to keep keep up. I know that they're doing shows like Southgate Revival House or House Revival, whatever they call it now, the new location. They're doing there's some shows going on. And they're in Cincinnati. They theoretically could be playing if they wanted to, I suspect. Of course, you're only, what, an hour from there, too, right? You yeah, probably, I mean, well... Here's you're, you're just not interested in doing shows until, you, until you're comfortable with it. No, but nobody is, man. I, yeah. I, like, especially, the dopamines don't give a fuck anyways. Like, there's no... They're definitely not going to fucking play... They're definitely not going to fucking play a show <laughs> in a pandemic to fucking 40 <laughs> seated people or whatever. They don't give a fuck That's, about that. That is weird, man. That is really weird. And, and so, like, my friend... Um, uh, Black Arm John, John Gerhardt, he does Iron Fest every year at the Southgate House. And, you know, he's trying to put that together, I think, still. And he had asked, you know. So when, they, when, when would that be? In November. November, okay. And I, 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 you know, it's just like limited capacity. I'm not even sure how it works because I haven't even tried to go out of my house. I just don't give, you know, like I'm not. I, it's not worth it to me, but I did tell John Gerard. I said, okay, well, you know, we'll do it for you. But Patrick, um, the drummer is, uh, was just like, no, we're not going to, I don't want to do this. And so, you know, I told John, I said, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. I just, I, it's too soon, you know? And, um, I don't, I, I it's gotta be tough for, it's tough for everyone right now. It's, uh, it's, I, I get, you know, trying to make it work, but just safety wise, it's, it's just not not worth it for me or, or anyone else in the band right now. So, huh. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. I I go back and forth on this stuff because I know the numbers are up, but once again, it seems like the lethality of this thing is way down. And I don't know. I want things to go back to normal, but I respect people's sort of opinion to you know. Yeah, I mean, they want to do. Dude, 
I do too. I but like the way that I look at it is like I don't fucking want the shit. I I don't if I can avoid getting it, like I don't fucking want it. I don't see, care I, if like see. I I feel like I I almost would rather get it at this point, and be done with it, and take my chances. But I don't, I mean, I'm not gonna I, go out and lick. I'm not gonna go out and lick toilet seats or something. If it happens, it happens. I'm still gonna be careful because you know there's people I don't want to pass it to. Yeah, but, you got to be sensible, right? Yeah. 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 You know I me, mean, Neil. You know, Mr. Sensible, that's what they call me. Captain Sensible, even. You know, my wife working at, at the hospital, and, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, man. I think I just see it from a, a, a different angle than some people get to, you know. It's like uh, just thinking about, you know, she's telling me that people who get it, you know, have their lasting effects that even if you don't show symptoms or even if you recover or, like, whatever, like – you know, they're showing like, what did she call it? Like endocarditis, some like inflammation of your heart, basically. Like they're just lasting things that like, yeah, I don't, there's, I don't yeah, it's, we don't even know, you know, 70s, you know, I don't, I, I just well, don't want to been going on for seven months now. And there's still so much we don't even know about it. We hardly even know how it's passed or anything. It's just, it's crazy, man. Uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a very strange time. It's crazy. Well, I'll tell you what. So we got this dopamine song. You picked Ire. That's off the off the last record. You said 2017, right? Mm-hmm. You would. So we'll play that song and then we'll come back. We'll kind of wrap up. Give our give our parting shots. Oh, I have a couple of questions for the for the man. You want to you want to go now? Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, go sure. ahead. Earlier this year, you um, released or you put out the album uh, by Full Replica, right? Uh, how did you get in touch with those guys? Because that was their first album, and that was a interesting, interesting thing for you guys to put out. Sure, um, that happened because uh, so Chris Pierce um, is so he plays guitar on that record, mm-hmm. but he's a, a friend of mine, and he um, recorded the Loose Behavior record in New Jersey. But he's, you know, he's been around for years and years and years and um, recorded all sorts of bands. He was in this band, Doc Hopper. And yeah, Doc re- Hopper, um, yeah. yeah. Told me, like, that he recorded Saves the Days, like, first demo, you know? And, it, mm. and, and it's true. Like, he's just done. He's another one of those dudes that's just been around forever and has done everything. Um, so I think Chris just asked me. He's told me that um, it was him and um, Roxy from... Mm-hmm. Uh, from the epoxies yep the epoxies and yeah man that was it i mean he you know i think a lot of these records get put out because you build a relationship with somebody and um that's you know i saw he asked me and i said yeah of course we'll do it and uh that's how that happened so i mainly i mean actually i was in touch I, i wasn't even in touch with chris like for any of the putting the record out process it was all through her but um he was the one who had asked me i think were you familiar with the epoxies at all? Yeah, I told him I didn't like it. I, well, I, I don't mean to do something like But I remember he was like, he was like, you, would you be interested in this? And I was like, well, I was like, I don't. I was like, the, the epo- I said, I think I told him like the epoxies weren't really my thing, you know? See, I love the epoxies. And, um, yeah. But you know what? Like, I think he sent me one of the songs and I was just like, yeah, this is great. Like, let's what the like. I don't even know why. Like, why did I even say that to him? You know what I mean? Like, I should. Is that is that a female? Are they female fronted? Then yeah, yeah, Roxy Epoxies. Yeah, yeah, she's okay. she's lovely. Yeah. 
Okay. Or I could have just kept that opinion to my fucking self, and it wouldn't have hurt anybody. You know what I mean? So, but <laughs> yeah, I, but it, I, it gives I you. It, it seems to give you a certain like advantage, like a leverage, like a negotiating advantage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad that I did it because it, I think it's a great record. I just see you know. that's see that's interesting. You say that because I love the epoxies, but actually, after I got it. Um, and you sent me the Splatter vinyl, which looks spectacular, but I was actually very disappointed in the album personally, but that's, that's ooh, funny that's because it, it, it did really well, like in terms okay. of like, like, yeah, people buying it. Um, I, but thought it was like, a real, I thought it was a real downer. I mean, it was like one, I thought there was a couple of really upbeat songs on it, but apart from that, I thought it was a real downer, but yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Reviews. I mean, some of the people that I trust to review, because like a lot of people, I don't give a fuck what they think, but like some of the people that I do care about said the same thing, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I guess you're right. But it looks, it looks, it looks spectacular. I have to say that, that, that splattered vinyl you did, that was amazing looking album. Yeah. it, it, It looked really nice. I kept getting this, like, I kept, I keep getting these weird orders from, from people, I, I don't know. It was it was a, it was kind of a weird record to work on because, you know, I, I think when you're out of when you're out of the loop for so long in terms of like putting out, you know, they were like a fat rec band, I think. And like, you know, Rad Girlfriend's not fat records, you know, sure. and, and yeah, yeah. like I don't have any money. I don't have any fucking budget. I don't have anything like, you know, everything I do is like it's all me, man. All any press I get, it's from like sitting down at the computer and you know, writing emails like until four in the morning and, you know, and, you know, I think Meredith Roxy, like she, she really wanted more like interviews and more like press. And, and I think like, I, I think I just told her one time, like you guys sold out of of a 300 copy pressing without ever fucking putting out another record or without playing a show, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't really know what else I can do for you. Well, I'll tell you what else like, you can do is, is <laughs> I asked her, I asked her to come on and she didn't reply. So may, maybe you can put in a good word for us. Cause I'd actually love to I, have I her be, on. She seemed like she, you gave her the creeps, Neil. What can you say? Hey, oh, maybe well, she doesn't. Oh, yeah. In no Instagram. Maybe. Fantastic story. This is a great fucking story. <laughs> um, I was in, I, I was talking to Chris about, about putting out the full rec- replica record and he goes, well, let me put you in touch with Meredith. And I said, okay. Um, so we had we had agreed that she was going to call me at a certain time, and uh, we would talk about putting the record out. So I was in Baltimore, and I'm sitting in the van, and I had been getting fuck the whole tour. I had been getting phone calls from like you know, and it's like uh, your car's warranty is fucking. Yes, I get those every day. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I get this fucking. I don't know what crawled up my ass, but I get this phone call from a number that I didn't know. And I just like, <laughs> I, see where this I is answered going. it. And I was like, I was like, hello. And she was like, is this Josh? And I just like, fucking just started cursing this lady out. You know, I was like, I, I was like, fuck you. I was like, I, 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 your I, car doesn't need an extended warranty. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let me talk to your fucking boss, blah, blah. And she was like, she was like, oh yeah, well, well, fuck you. And I was like, fuck me. I was like, who do you think you are? I was like, let me talk to your fucking boss. This is, you know, I, I just like, I turned into an insane, crazy person. Um, before I realized that <laughs> it wasn't a telemarketer. <laughs> that That's it was cool. her. And That's so amazing. I called her back and I'm like, hey, is this, is this Meredith? And she was like, 
yeah, dude. And I was like, listen, I am so sorry that you had to meet me like that. Like, that's your first experience with me as a fucking bona fide crazy person. <laughs> well, dude, if you, can, if you can put in after that story, maybe you can't. But if you could put in a good word for us, I would love to have. Because this, I mean, you know, as much as we love doing this, it's turned into a sausage fest, to tell you the truth. So we would love, it really we would, is. We would, we would love to get a female voice. Yeah. Most of the people we happy. talk to. Klingos, white man. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put you in touch, no problem. No, it's no, it's funny because I actually, so I cut my teeth as a reviewer. I think I've done, I've done almost 500 reviews now. And when you put out the Nobody's Record, I was pretty excited about it. So my editor at Punk News gives me this download code for Bandcamp. So I'm like, cool, I go to put it in. This is no longer good. It says, well, there's a, like an email or something where you can reach out and and try to rectify this, right? And so I emailed and I, I got, I must've been you who said, yeah, I'll get right back to you on that. And then I never heard another thing. <laughs> and then I, ended up, <laughs> I ended up buying the record when you guys came to town a couple years later, but by then it was too late to, to too late it. to oh, bummer, man. Really, you know, but now, I, 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 but, I, you know, I, when I, I met you, I know it's just you and your wife. So it's just like one of those things. Like, what am I going to, am I going to give this guy a hard time? I appreciate yeah, no, you, I, you just I, did I, Tom. We appreciate <laughs> no, what you do. Balls. Uh, you know, a lot of it, dude. I get those emails all the time, and and most of the time, like people trying I'll to get. Like, well, no, just like you know, hey, this record didn't come with a download or like whatever, and or this download doesn't work. And usually, I'll just go right that second and just take a screenshot of a download code on Bandcamp, and I'll just email them right back. But if I don't do it right that second, yeah, that's done. Like, yeah. Honestly, that list of priorities in my yeah, email, like getting it's the all... download code, is is you pretty know, low. Don't... The funny thing is, like, that was back in my iPod reviewing days where I'd, like, have all my stuff on my iPod I was going to review. Now, I just, I get those, fine, uh, the download codes, I, don't, I never use them. I'm just not a, I'm not really a digital, a digital music listener, you know. I just, I just don't do it much. Um, but now it's like, well, if you don't give me a download, if, you know, I'll just wait till it comes out on Spotify. I'll have it reviewed, like, two weeks after it comes out, you know. Just yeah. give me a little. Well, I've more. gotten into fights with people because I'm like, you don't fuck, at the beginning of the label, I was like, you don't. Just because you bought a record doesn't you don't deserve a fucking download. Like what this what is this? Are you buying records? Are you listening to them? You know. Um yeah. but after, you know, fighting with some guy in a ska band, you know, that he made sure to point out to me that he was gonna tell everybody what a piece of shit I was because I didn't give him a fucking download. Like I just like I, I finally was just like, all right. Come on, name and shame. What band was it? What band was it? Who cares? They're a Scott band. Yeah, that's true oh, enough. God. Yes. It was yeah. like the nastiest email I'd ever got, you know, because I told him I was like, hey, I'm on tour right now. Like I can I'll get you a download like no problem when I come home. And it was just like, you know, people should always put, you know, like he's like he's just being a fucking asshole. But I, I just talked to other label dudes and they were just like, dude, if you want to avoid that, just put a fucking download code in it. So I try to do that. You know, now it's just part of it. And plus the distributor likes it. You know, yeah, I was but, wondering why every single slacker show they called out Josh Golden from Stave. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice one. Uh, that's just their Dude, shit. You want you want to hear something fucking crazy? <laughs> of course. So like, there was this there was this Dayton label back in the day called Dutel Records. Never heard of it, but that's okay. That did like some slacker stuff, right? Oh, really? Okay. I don't, and I, I don't know how, I mean, I know how, but I'm not going to tell you. I, I ended up 
You can listen after we sign off. You can tell us. <laughs> I ended after up we, after we like, pushed out. I ended up with like a box of like fifty slackers LPs, like double LPs, the better late than never um, record. Okay. And it was originally on Special Potato Record, or no, it was originally on Moon, whatever. Moon oh yeah, 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 Moon. Yeah, that was a big sky label back in the day. It was Moon, moon some Moon Pie or Moon Moon, yeah, something. And, and then it, this is like the reissue, but like, you know, they're all in like pristine fucking shape. And like, I went on Discogs, and they're like selling for like fifty bucks a piece, man. So like. I've just been like selling these slackers LPs one at a time for like 50 bucks. And it's finance, it's, it's financed like the last Raging Nathan split set. Selling these slackers yeah, LPs. Yeah, I hope they're not. I mean, I hope they're. I hope they're listening, just not to me. Holy shit! You're right. For, I'm looking at one right now. Forty bucks. Yeah, you're right. There you go. So yeah. Neil, what you said? You said you had other. You had other crowd. You better say so you better go ahead. We have kept this guy. We have kept Josh on for a very long He's time. He's loving it. What are you talking about? This is gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do that thing where we break the two hour mark again. I bet. So what? Uh, it's been my favorite one though. By the way, guys, like that. Well, I've ever, you, you guys thanks, cool. guys. Awesome. I'm glad to talk to you. Next time you come to GR, you'll have already forgotten about me, and I'll I'll give you a hard time. No, dude, we'll get fucking drunk. It'll be tight. There you go. Sounds good. So my, All right, Neil. I'm sorry, Neil. Go ahead. Yeah, my second thing was, so the only times I've been to Dayton in my life, I was in Dayton uh, two or three times in the mid-80s, like 86 and 87. Um, so what, remember? Uh, is, was, yeah, dude. Well, I was going to say, is, 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 the go skate, is the skate shop surf Ohio still going, or did that close a long time ago? Do you know? Oh, oh, Ohio Surf and Skate? Well, it used to be called Surf Ohio. Oh, so wow. this is this uh, is in, this was in the mid '80s, and they had a couple of huge contests at the Hara Arena, and uh, sure. I I drove wow. down there from Champaign Urbana, where I used to live, and uh, we went we went there a couple times. Crazy. Okay, so Surf Ohio is not there anymore. It, 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 Ohio Surf and Skate was there for a long time. Um, there were two locations. There's one now, I think, in Beaver Creek, but it's not it's not what it was. Um, I, that might not even be around anymore, but Hera Arena also was destroyed in a oh, wow. tornado. Didn't know that. Like, okay. Wow, yeah, that's a very mid, very mid very midwestern way to be destroyed. Yeah. I, yeah, dude. Well, so I, I moved to Dayton in '96. I saw the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Bim Scala Bim, Dropkick Murphys, and the Royal Crown Review. I think at Hera Arena in like '97. Hmm. Um, so like yeah that's crazy so no that's not but my wife did work she worked at ohio surf and skate for a long time when she was a you know a teenager okay um yeah. but you know alien workshops from here and they they have recently moved back to dayton from los angeles i think so um yeah, who, who's i think the, habitat was from here who's the kid that's on uh who's the kid that's a sh- kid he's 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 a grown man but he's the guy that's a show on mtv what the hell's his name ridiculous rob Deerdeck. yeah rob Deerdeck. so i met him when he was probably about 12 years old he came because <laughs> we were some of the oh those were some fun times man but um in a hotel room yeah. uh there was like there was like four of us in the room and we're the only old, ones old enough to buy beer so we had all the beer in our room and like the Alva team were coming in and shit like that. And Deerdeck comes in and he was must have been twelve, thirteen years old. And he's telling us he's gonna be a pro he's telling us he's gonna be a pro one day. And we're like, Yeah, get the fuck out of here, you little prick. And uh and I guess he showed us, right? Lo and behold. <laughs> yeah. so we used to live like two blocks away from you know, he built uh like the D C park mm-hmm. um in Kettering, Ohio. And so we lived like two blocks away from that for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean I I love all you know, all the skating stuff that was 
hmm. you know, from Dayton. Yeah. It's funny that you've been here. It's like, you know, you, you say it like I've only been here once, but it's like, dude, most people have never fucking been here. So it's kind yeah, of I, I, I think I think we came like 85, 86 and 87 and it got really big at 87 because like all the pros were there then. And uh, but th- those are some fun. Those are some fun times, we, man. Fun weekends over there. I think I've been through there twice myself, and it was always like going through to maybe Cincinnati or going through to somewhere further south where we would spend the night there. Because I remember one night, especially at some Irish pub that had a lot of outside seating, and I'm pretty sure it was in that Oregon district, and just drinking Irish car bombs or something until we... The the Dublin pub, probably. Probably, probably, until we could barely remember what city. We probably thought we were in Cleveland by the time we were done. Dude, (laughs) dude, this this is a funny one. So after we'd been out drinking one one night after the contest, um, you know, we we were sessioning places. It was like midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning or something, and there were some curbs outside of a gas station. So we decided we're going to skate these curbs outside the gas station, and um, the attendant comes out comes running out up to us and we're like oh fuck we're gonna get busted and he's like hey you guys we're like what i was thinking you know he's gonna call the police or something he's like hey could you guys hang out a bit longer because there's a car over there stopped and i don't like the look of it i think he's gonna break in (laughs) i think (laughs) i think he's gonna stick us up so if you guys could skate in the parking lot a bit longer that would be really cool i was like never saw that yeah i didn't see that coming at all so i don't know good times man good times all right should, yeah. we play, should we play the dopamine song, Neil? Yeah, sure. Do... Let's let's play that, and then we'll say our goodbyes. Why, why'd, you, why'd you pick this one, Josh? Um, it was Iyer, in case you I forgot. Think it's just a, <laughs> I think it's just a really strong song off of uh, off of the record. I, I chose this this record because you played well, on it. Like, yeah, because I played on it. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's like there. I think it's a really good record. It's a dark. It's a dark record, and. Um, this was one of the single. This might have been the first or second single from the record, but um, yeah, just really powerful song. I thought. Did you did you play on Vices then, or did you come after that? Nope i I did not. I came in right after that. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry. So yeah, this. So go ahead, Neil. You're the DJ. <laughs> okay. So we got the dopamines with Ire. It's a shame that this couldn't work out. It's a shame that you think I'll no longer be around That is a crying shame
Desire by the Dopamines. Which album is that off of? Tales of Interest. Yep. Tales of Interest. There you go. The last one, right? Yeah. Oh, the newest one, I should say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you what do you think, Josh? Parting parting thoughts. I mean, what do we? What do you? Uh, what is there something else you're working on that you'd like to share with us? Is there any other ska bands that you hate? Yeah, uh, any, or, or anything you want to push? Anything you want to tell us about on the label or anything? <laughs> no, man, I'm not. I'm not really for all that shit, dude. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I, just the Raging Nathan's got more. Got another record. Co- we got a ton of. We, we're always going to have records coming out. I mean, I've got. Um, I don't know, I'm so bad at this. I just like I kind of feel like at this point, like if <laughs> if you don't, you know, I'm not like what am I gonna do? Convince somebody like right now to go listen to something? Like I I don't think so, dude. Like, I think I think you, you know, already I think you already have because this was a fucking great interview. So I think I think you've already I think you've already convinced people to, to do it. Like like I don't care. It's just I, I'm not very good at like you know. I, you know I'll like, tell you, he, you you know I've been trying to do the like the first Friday of every month they do like the band camp. Bandcamp Fridays where they don't take a uh-huh. slice, and every month I've been trying to hit up like a different label, and you are next on my list because I I was stupid when you guys played GR, and I bought the the Nobody's album on CD instead of LP, and now it's haunting me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably get that and that split you guys did for that. That's gonna oh, be that, that's, that that's, LP that's, is long yeah. gone, man. Is it? There, there's no copies of that left. I think I only have one for myself. Oh my gosh, I'm so oh I'm dead unfortunately but i'll tell you what though if i track one down i'll i'll if i'll I'll look dude like there's none for sale i says i swear it says there's still some available oh all right guess i'll have to alter my plan which album is that if it says that if if it says that unfortunately you'll get a quite disappointing email afterward (laughs) is that the hussy is that the hussy album you're talking about Yeah. yeah I'll check, man. Maybe I do have a copy. Like, I definitely don't think I have any that's for sale on on the web store. But I'll I'll look in my personal records, and if I have one, it's all yours, dude. All right. Well, there's one on Discogs for you, baby. Green Marble. So there you go. Oh, that's there you go. That's a nice color variant. Anyway, forget it then. But still, so no parting thoughts or anything. No, nothing you want to leave us with, especially during the Uh, record, the record band camp thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you guys. Like, you know, it's really important. I just want to leave. leave, I I do want to leave you with something, which is that, you know, punk rock is very, very important to me. Like, it's it's not just like it's not just something that I think is like fun or like like cool to do. Like, it's just it's really important, and especially in like a in a medium that's that's like dying out a little bit. Just rock and roll in general is not like that popular right now and um this is i you know i do this because i genuinely love the music and i love the people i get to meet and the fact that you guys had reached out to me and wanted to talk to me about something that is so personal to me which is you know putting out records in my band and um i just you know thank you because it means a lot like more than you know that you'd take two hours out of your day to talk to me about something that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I get to, you know, participate in. So, well, it's, uh, it's been, a pl- it's been a pleasure, man. We've yeah, been, been, we've been enjoyed, pleasure, man. We've it enjoyed as much as you have. Yeah. Um, and, and now next time you come to town, we'll have something to talk about when we have a cup, when we drink your free pictures of PBR that you get at the bar. Yeah, please. Yeah. I don't drink that shit anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite beer? What's your favorite beer? What do you like to drink? Uh, I, I drink liquor, man. I, oh, you I, do? I, I, okay. like, I like, you know, 
James. Actually, I, I'll drink anything, but like beer. Um, I I don't I don't I like uh, Miller Lite or like you know if I'm going like fancy like I enjoy a Bex or something. But wow. I only okay. drink like a beer or two anyways, and then it's just liquor time. So if if I'm gonna drink a beer, I better make it count. You know. There you go. It's liquor time. There you go. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Yeah. Liquor time. So, <laughs> all right. So we're gonna sign off, and then we're gonna get the real dirt from Josh that you people aren't allowed to hear. But we appreciate everybody. We appreciate everybody listening. Yep. Um, appreciate your letters. We appreciate your support, and uh, you know these two old geezers who just like to sit around and talk about punk rock stuff. So and check out the new uh, Raging Nathan's album because it's absolutely really, it's and, really and, fucking and good. Support Rack Girlfriend, man. They do a really interesting. I remember I wrote a thing for punk news a few years ago was like little labels to check out now they're probably too big now to fit under that little label category but i i I remember thinking to myself or i wrote that you know if you miss lookout records rad girlfriend's a good one to follow but the fact of the matter is i remember that dude that fucking floored me that like that was me dude so anyway cool (laughs) but 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 the thing is, I think it's even I'm even more right than what I thought because what I was thinking was, oh, they're a pop punk label. Lookout was a pop punk label. But as I look back at the Lookout catalog, it actually was pretty diverse. And I think you actually, even though I think people still associate you as a pop punk label, and I think that's fair, but you you put out a pretty good diversity of stuff, honestly. You yeah, know, that, so was like, a, if, one, that like, was intentional. If you like I don't it, you put like it out. I, no. <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like it. I don't listen to it. Doesn't I, I mean, like ska. Doesn't like pop punk. He hates it all. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I That's like, punk rock right I there. I do like Scott. I just don't like that guy's band. <laughs> there you uh, go. Love yeah, it. Yeah, we, we used to try to put like, out like one grind record a year. There you go. Yeah, I don't like anything, so it's all right. Yeah. That's it. punk rock, baby. You and me both. <laughs> all the time in the world to listen to it this year. So, all right. So, cool. Anyway, so, hey, yeah, thanks for listening. Neil, do your sign-off. And then, like I said, we'll uh, we'll get the real truth out of Josh here. All right, man. Everybody, <laughs> uh, see you next time. Stay free. Keep a little mark in your heart. Okay. Bye-bye. See you later. See you later.